I'm Mark Holland. And I'm Omar Algabra. And this is In Camera. Well, we're back for, uh, for week two. Uh, we're, a popular demand. Yeah, there was, there was a, a, a huge groundswell of requests to, uh, to keep bringing this co- podcast forward. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the first podcast we did in stereo, which means if you don't want to listen to Omar or if you don't want to listen to me, uh, you can just pull out whichever earphone is, uh, is causing you the annoyance. But this one is in mono. So, uh, so, so you cannot escape uh, either of us. Right. It's not going to feel like you're, we're sitting on your left and right but you're stuck with both of us. You can't really choose to delete us unless you're really effective at editing audio. Since we are liberals, we are neither left nor right. We turn it into a mono. Yeah, I wasn't your best. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? We'll continue. And, uh, you know, this this week uh, back in Parliament, well, actually, before we go there, last time we kind of talked about the purpose of the podcast to talk about kind of behind the scenes, what's happening in Ottawa, what are our thoughts. Uh, but we didn't explain, uh, in audio at least, uh, what in-camera is. So, uh, you know, somebody might think that it is literally in front of a camera. I, in fact, when I, got, when I first got elected to the House of Commons, uh, when I attended committee meetings and they said, this meeting is in-camera, I was expecting that we would be live on television. Right, and, and so, so it was a bit of a surprise that there was no cameras there. It, was, it turned out to be exactly the opposite. Yeah. In-camera means that there will be no cameras. In, fa- in fact, it means off the record. Right, right exactly. exactly. And, and that's not something, I, it actually first for me happened when I was in council, uh, thought the exact same thing. I still to this day have no idea where the term in-camera comes from. I don't know if you do. In terms of what is etymology, camera. I think that's what they intended to. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's a guess, but we'll <laughs> maybe we'll research this and come back with that next time. But it basically means behind the scenes. So you know, when there's something that unfortunately is uh, due to privacy concerns or uh, some other concern that means that it can't go in public, you go behind a closed door. This is our attempt to kind of go behind the scenes in Ottawa and talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on. Mark, when you and I talked about this, we thought we want to bring our uh, uh, our audience uh, members with us to the House of Commons to talk to them uh, about what we talk about on a regular basis, to give the opportunity for uh, for people to hear directly from us about questions they may have, about the latest jokes we heard. Uh, we'll see how. how well, they got they got to hope there's not a lot of jokes, otherwise it's going to get really bad. But uh, this week in Parliament, obviously the biggest issue. Uh, is um, is the tax changes uh, that are being brought forward, uh, and uh, and there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh, about what exactly we're trying to propose. So we thought we'd take a chance to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I'm, I hope uh, the audience has heard about it, but uh, basically, uh, the finance department, the minister of finance, uh, has been mandated. Right. So let's take a look at some of the things that are, are looked at in this uh, the, this discussion paper that was put out. One is income sprinkling. So this is the idea that uh, that people take um, the income that they have, they incorporate, uh, and then they use uh, family members uh, to sort of sprinkle their income to decrease their tax load. Now, of course, this is not something the average family would have access to. Uh, income sprinkling is generally used. And just let me clarify, it's sprinkling income on a family member who has no relation to the right. business, stepped right. a foot in the business, has does not own a sh- shares in the business, or perhaps if they own shares, they don't work at all. For the I mean, that's a key point. We're not looking to, uh, you know, if somebody's hired a family member and they're working diligently and hard in, the, in their business, uh, that we want to be able to see continue. However, we have all kinds of situations where people are incorporating 
and giving money to people who aren't doing any work. And so these are effectively empty positions where they're getting money to do it. In fact, we've seen since I think about 2001 a tripling in the number of, uh, of incorporations that are taking place. And so this is a, statistic, this is a strategy that's being used um, in a very, very large way. And it means, for example, that you could have a doctor that could, could realize $50,000 in savings. It could be as much in savings that they're realizing from this type of tax strategy as the entire salary of a nurse. Indeed. Uh, so the idea here is that people should incorporate for the sake of business growth, for the sake of uh, limiting liability. But what the trend that we've been seeing over the last 20 years is that some individuals have been incorporating solely for the sake of avoiding some taxes. And that was legal. It was appropriate within the system. But the trend that we we're heading at requires us to look at it and make and, and, and do some um, some adjustments. Right, and you can't fault somebody for using the existing rules. So there isn't uh, an allegation that anybody was doing anything wrong. These rules were, were put in place. People were using them perhaps in a way that hadn't been contemplated. Uh, they're using them to uh, reduce their tax load. But the main, I think there's really kind of two main points that come out of it. One is that the vast majority of the population doesn't have access to these tools and B, that the people it's mostly benefiting are at the upper echelon of the income stream. So you take passive investment as an example. Uh, we know that 83% of all passive investment income is going to people making more than $250,000 a year, and that it represents only about 1% uh, of the overall corporations, that 83% that slice. Out of 1.8 million corporations, less than 30,000 businesses uh, are benefiting vastly from the passive income um, 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 benefits. Right, and I think that the, the, one of the important points that, that the Prime Minister's made, the Finance Minister's made, and I know that, uh, that you and I have talked about, is that this passive investment income or the income sprinkling, what we're going after here is not mom-pop businesses, not small farms, that you know people who are, not, uh, who, who are uh, investing in their businesses and utilizing these tools um, uh, for, for good and valid reasons, there's not going to be any change. Uh, the change instead is uh, where, where that advantage is seen as being unfair. Absolutely. And perhaps this is worth exploring further. Uh, as we, as our government, as our Department of Finance put out that uh, proposal er earlier in the summer, uh, there was a lot of perhaps openness about the, the, the direction that we're heading because we wanted to seek input. We want to consult Canadians. But what ended up happening was either a tax consultant or a tax lawyer seeked or wanted to protect their client, I guess, and came up with worst case scenario and started letting clients fear the most. Yeah, the a, lot of, a lot of misinformation. There's a yeah. lot of misinformation that obviously uh, the, the conservative or the opposition, I should say, are trying to benefit from it by hyping the misinformation, by creating myth and fear-mongering and scaring people that all these small businesses are going to be taxed uh, to, to death. It's not really true. It is, uh, it's incorrect. It's inaccurate. That is not the purpose. And the finance minister and the prime minister has reassured us on multiple occasions that is not the intent here. Well, and one of the things I want to know is where is the NDP on this? Uh, the NDP was being critical uh, in the House today, but they haven't really taken a position on it. 
Um, it would seem to me that, uh, that the NDP generally would be in favor of closing uh, unfair advantages to the most wealthy Canadians and helping out those that are in the middle class and helping small businesses that need the help uh, in the House today and otherwise they won't, they won't state where their position is. So they've been critical, uh, but they haven't stated what their position is. The Conservatives, we know where they're at. They're against it. Um, and that's been relatively consistent with what we saw in the 2015 election when they were against us lowering taxes for the, for the middle class and uh, raising them the highest 1%. Not only are the Conservatives against it, they're, uh, they're hyping this up uh, and creating all kinds of confusion, uh, saying things like, oh, the small businesses are going to be taxed at 73%, or they're saying that a farmer could, would cost more for uh, him or her to sell the farm to their son or daughter than it would cost to sell to a, 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 an arm's length entity. That's all inaccurate. Obviously, we still can't we are waiting as we finish the consultation. Yeah, and some of that is obviously deliberate. But I would say, you know, there's also some, some legitimate concerns that people have raised. Um, and that's what this process is about, about listening to some of the concerns that people have and making sure that we get it right, that it is about fairness. Uh, and I want to come back to that issue of fairness in a second. But, you know, if you look at passive um, uh, investment income as an example, uh, the idea to me that if somebody wants to keep that in their business, to keep investing it in their business, you know, that makes sense. We want people to grow their business. But when people start pulling that out as income, uh, if it has a, a, a greatly uh, preferential income treatment as to anybody else's income stream, that's a problem. And one of the things that we're seeing with incorporated income is that it's by far the lowest marginal tax rate, often lower than, uh, you know, than, than many others who are earning um, much less. Uh, so it's, um, that's more the concern. It's not about allowing them to keep it in their business. It's about how people are pulling that out as income. In fact, one would argue that this um, um, uh, clause for passive investment has discouraged businesses from investing that money in, back into their that's business. That's a great point, yeah. Because it may make more money if it's put in a GIC or some kind of guaranteed income vehicle uh, because it's not taxed. Uh, so if, if we find a way to encourage business owners and corporations to reinvest that business, that money into the business, that would be good for the economy and that would be good for business owners. Well, I totally agree. And I, I think one of the things that maybe we can come back to is, is uh, and maybe it should seem self-evident, but why do we care whether or not the tax system is fair? Uh, you know, for me, I mean, there's the self-evident social justice reason that everybody should see that the tax system treats everybody equally and that certain people aren't disproportionately advantaged because they can hire expensive accountants or because they make a huge amount of money. But there's the second issue, which is what's good for the economy. Uh, and the reality is that um, money that is uh, reinvested in the middle class and in smaller businesses uh, is going to be spent here and used here. And that's exactly the point that you're making, I think, about somebody not being incentivized to invest in their business, but instead putting it in uh, some long-term vehicle that doesn't get circulating the economy. You have a multiplier effect. And when we uh, help those that are struggling to get by, they're going to spend every cent that they earn locally in the economy. That's worth seven through the multiplier effect. It's going to help stimulate our economy. When people in the, you know, making more than $250,000 a year are given all kinds of advantages, that money often will leave the economy or will s sit in savings vehicles that isn't going to be reinvested. Look, and there are people saying, oh, why aren't you also going after uh, these um, uh, safe havens, uh, the, the foreign tax havens? Why aren't you going after large corporations or executives in large corporations? I mean, my, my response to that is that, in fact, we have put in over the last two years in our budgets close to a billion dollars 
within Revenue Canada to go after tax haven, to go after after tax avoidance, to go after uh, 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 tax fraud. And executives and corporations have rules already that should is, is fair and should be applied fairly. It is this trend that we've witnessed over the last 20 years or so where small corporations have been started solely for the sake of paying less taxes. Right, and that's where we saw the tripling that we were talking about um, just a moment ago. And I, I think if anybody looks at the totality of what we're trying to do, not only was there um, this expressly uh, in, uh, intended uh, a desire in the election platform to make our tax system more fair and to help the middle class. But you're seeing that reveal itself in a, multitude, a multiplicity of ways. So this, this one tax policy isn't our only effort to ensure the tax system is fair. It's not our only effort to ensure that uh, the middle class gets a fair shake and uh, that we're investing in small business and helping those that need the help um, or asking those with a lot to pay a little bit more. It's happening in a broader spectrum. And, and the last point that I would make on that is that you know for, for the average person, unfortunately, they've not seen a lot of real growth in their income. It's really been flatlined. And yet we know at the very top end of the spectrum, for the top 1%, they've seen phenomenal growth in their income. So they've been seeing uh, in, you know, really, really high returns every single year and how much more, more money they're getting. Uh, and so there's that disparity that's growing and growing. And so they're in a position, I think, uh, where they, they can help a little bit more um, and that we need to to ensure a healthy economy because if they don't have a healthy economy, nothing's working. But every single economist, every single social scientist I know talks how income inequality is ba a bad thing for our economy, is a bad thing for our society. This is what we campaigned on in the last election, to try to reduce income inequality, uh, to stop the erosion of the middle class. And this is just only one step. It is really important that Canadians face in our tax system maintains at a high level that they know it's fair, that it applies equally to everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, the economy is doing doing well. We've got a lot of progress yet to make, but we've seen the economy gain a lot of jobs. We've seen after really 10 years of flatline growth, we're seeing the economy pick up a lot of jobs. We're, uh, we're leading the G8 in, um, in economic growth and job creation over the last while. Um, so, you know, we've got to keep, uh, keep pressing forward, and obviously we're going to. Uh, maybe close on this thought, um, uh, Judy Foote, uh, uh, just, uh, just on Thursday, uh, said, gave her farewell speech along with the Prime Minister. And uh, I just want to say to Judy, uh, thank you for her incredible service to, uh, to our caucus and to the Liberal family. Uh, she's had a very tough time over the last while, but she seems to be doing excellent. Uh, and we really wish her all the best uh, for her and her family. Uh, Judy has always been, uh, for me, one of the most graceful politicians I've known. She's always been composed, she's always been gracious, she's always been kind. And, uh, and, um, um, and I am sad to see her leave, but I am also um, um, uh, uh, congratulate her on her um, political success, on her achievements, on her legacy, and on choosing, making a tough decision to go back and spend time with her family. And uh, it's been an emotional couple of weeks. We lost a couple of fantastic parliamentarians. Judy, we wish you all the best. Uh, that's in camera for this week. Uh, next week we'll be back talking about uh, what's happening in Ottawa. Uh, we've got uh, one more week before uh, we're back in the ridings for Thanksgiving. If there's any issues you want to hear, if there's any improvements you want made, uh, especially to Omar's performance, let us know uh, by sending us a message. Thanks so much.
yes, I am the intern here and I look forward to your feedback and uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been in camera.